Coming up on Studios America, radio legend Anthony Cumia joins me in studio. Very excited for that. Joe Biden proves he's clueless and out of touch in yet another category, the 2022 midterms. Uh, now, is your, is your mind feeling a bit slippery lately? Or, you know, maybe all the time, like our wonderful president? Well, you can keep track of your thoughts and potentially your entire presidential agenda on your very own Joe Biden Senility Now journal. You can pick one up at studosmerch.com. They get 20% off uh, when you use the code STU20. And considering we have a power hour coming up tomorrow, there's a lot of things you're probably going to forget about tomorrow evening. So you may need one of these. Uh, also, do you use the term Latinx? Latinx. Have you ever heard anybody else in the world use the term Latinx outside of Twitter? If you answered no, then you are not alone. Let's do Latinx. Stu does America. Uh, Latinx. Or is it Latinx? I don't know what it is, honestly. I feel like everybody just says it both ways. You know how we can always tell this? This is what we do on this program. And you might say, gosh, Stu, you're always pronouncing those incredibly difficult to pronounce names correctly. And here's the secret. This is how you do this in the real world of broadcasting. When you have something you don't know how to pronounce, you just go to some authority figure who's already said it. How did I know how to say Omicron? I had no idea until I heard the lady announcing uh, the Omicron variant, and she said Omicron. Now, I don't know if it's Omicron. I hear a lot of people say Omicron as well, but I know at least I have some level of authority to say Omicron, so I'm going with Omicron. Latinx, I have no freaking idea, but this is what you do when you try to figure these things out. You go to you know, YouTube or a news source or whatever and look for some person of authority to tell you kind of the right way, quote unquote, to pronounce it. So what better place to go than our president, Joe Biden? It's awful hard as well to get Latinx vaccinated as well. Why? Wait. They're worried that they'll be vaccinated and deported. Okay, there you go. It's Latinx, like Latin Kleenex. Latinx. That is Latinx. The way. Thank you. That's the way we will use it from now on. Latinx. It almost sounds like he's sneezing it out, which it helps you remember that it that it's like a Kleenex. Latinx is the term we will talk about today. And is it a, a term that anybody in the world ever uses? Where the hell did it come from? And is it helping the Democrats and the media connect to Hispanic voters? Lat Latinx. La sorry, Latinx voters. <laughs> Latinx voters. Now, I, I don't think I've never known any Hispanic person or Latinx person actually use this term on their own. Uh, but it does seem to be a really high priority for the media right now to convince you that's what you're supposed to say. And what's strange about it is it doesn't seem to be working. It seems like uh, Hispanic voters are going, Latinx. thank you, are going uh, against this in a big way. They are revolting against the party that they've been voting for for a long time. And if you think about the way um, the sort of we talked about this a little bit yesterday, the way these parties think about you is a nameless, faceless color, a nameless, faceless gender, a nameless, faceless voter. You're in a group. If you're a black voter, you're voting for Democrats. That's how it will always be. It will never change. Well, that's how they think about Latinx voters as well. Latinx voters are always going to vote with Democrats, and that will never, ever, ever, ever change. At least that was the thought up until really recently. You saw Donald Trump make some inroads with, uh, with Hispanic voters over- uh, Latinx. Sorry. 
Latinx voters over uh, his uh, two elections. Uh, but we're seeing even more movement now, and it is going pretty far uh, di- uh, a direction toward Republicans. Right now, the generic ba- uh, ballot is at 37-37. That's incomprehensible to a Democrat. You can't, what are you talking about, tied? You're supposed to win Latinx voters by 30, 40, 50 points. You're not supposed to, they're not supposed to be tied. And, you know, the entire, you know, pathway to power here for the Democrats is to win minority groups by multiple dozens of percentage points because then they can uh, maybe lose majority white voters uh, and in, in other groups and not, and not have too many problems. They have to not just win Hispanic voters, they have to dominate Hispanic voters. They have to dominate black voters. They have to dominate minority groups all across the spectrum. So right now, uh, the poll uh, among Hispanic voters, Trump 44, uh, uh, Biden 43, excuse me, 44, 43, Biden over Trump, a one point advantage. If Hispanic or Latinx voters happen to go for only one point uh, for the Democrats, they will lose the election pretty much every time when you're talking about a national election. Now, where the hell did this term come from? Because I think this is part of it. it people aren't voting for Republicans because they're annoyed at the word Latinx. I mean, it's part of it, but that's not why they're doing it per se. They're doing it because they're seeing a couple of things. Number one, they don't like this woke stuff. Uh, there are a lot of traditional values there. And people who are hardworking, uh, voters who just want, I don't know, something sensible to come out of the world. And th- they feel insulted by this. We'll get into the polling on this in just a second. Um, and also, there's just the, the woke sort of agenda is uh, antithetical to what they believe. And also, the COVID restrictions have been really unpopular among Latinx voters. Uh, why? Well, you know, these are hardworking people. Many of them might work blue collar jobs, people that didn't get to stay at home and go on Zoom calls like Jeffrey Tubin every 10 minutes and do their thing. They had to actually go to jobs. They had to go out and work. They didn't get to stay home. They had to actually go out and do things through this, unlike the New York Times blogger who's typing Latinx. So where did Latinx even come from? Where is Latinx. This Thank you. Where did Latinx <laughs> even come from? Well, I didn't even know this. Rich Lowry wrote about this at National Review. Um, it started out as Latinat. Latinat. Now, what is Latinat? It's Latin with the at symbol after it. Now, that sounds incredibly dumb, but let me explain the brilliance of Latinat. You see, the at symbol encompasses both the O and the A. See how the O kind of is around the A and the at symbol, giving you the Latino and Latina combined you're getting rid of the gender, a huge priority for some unknown reason for Democrats. And it's a perfect solution, right? You have it. It's on every keyboard. Well, a couple problems with that. Number one, everyone looks at that and says, that's not a letter. How do I say it? Now, I guess if you tell them a few thousand times, maybe they'd understand Latinat. But I've been saying uh, Latinx and Latinx and Latinx, and I still don't know which one is right. I think it's Latinx. Latinx. Thank you, President Biden. Latinx is the correct way to do it. So Latinat didn't work for that reason. It also didn't work because, of course, right as this is, is popping into popularity, Twitter becomes popular and the at symbol is really important, obviously, on Twitter. So that doesn't work either. They bail from Latinat 
and they land on Latin. Latinx. They land on Latinx. Thank you very much. Now, this has been, a, a, I think, a point of fascination for conservatives for a long time. But you're seeing now that the mainstream media and Democratic organizations are starting to jump on this as well. And they're saying, hey, guys, you know, a lot of these organizations are like, we really want you to win. We want the Democrats to win these elections. Stop saying Latinx. They don't like it. The people you're talking about are rejecting what you are bringing their way. And this is happening in not just when it comes to what words you bring up. It's also on all sorts of policies. There's a new poll out from Politico. The use of Latinx among Hispanic voters. And I think they meant to say Latinx voters. And so how do actually actually, you know, how do people like actually react to this? I'm talking Hispanic people who are the people you're supposedly talking about. How do they feel? about this ridiculous term you've concocted out of thin air. Which of the following terms comes closest to describing your ethnic background? 68% said Hispanic. 21% said either Latina or Latino. 8% said something else. 2% said Latinx. Latinx. Thank you. Well, I guess Joe Biden's in the 2%. 68 to 2 why on earth would you be pushing this if the people you're talking about by a 34 times the margin are saying, wait a minute, I'd rather be called Hispanic or Latina or Latino or something else, anything else except this BS woke made up word you just came Latinx. up with. Latinx. Now, we, they also asked and broke it down by category. This is which comes uh, closest to describing your ethnic background. And you might say, okay, maybe young voters uh, are embracing this. Old people, they're old fuddy-duddies. They don't care about it. No, not really true. Only 4% of voters 18 to 29 like Latinx. 3% 30 to 39. 40 to 54-year-old voters, only 2%. 55 to 64, they couldn't find anyone who said it described their background between 55 and 64. 0%. And then there's one old person who's like, yeah, that's me. I'm a Latinx. One uh, percent for 65 and older. But look at these margins. 66 to four, 71 to three, 65 to two, 81 to nothing and 61 to nothing. That's what Hispanic voters actually think about this word. Yet the media still continues to assault them with it. Which of this? Uh, this is now by party. And you might think, OK, well, it's probably the, the Democrats really like it. Republicans really don't. And I don't know, maybe uh, you might think independents are they're mixed. Not really. Democrats oppose, have Hispanic at 68 percent, Latinx at 2 percent, 68 to 2 among Democrats. And I bring up all three uh, breakdowns here because Republicans are 66 to 4. Apparently, Republicans seem to like it twice as much as Democrats, which does not seem possible. I kind of feel like there, there's a couple of people just trolling the poll. That are Republicans are like, you know what? Keep calling us Latinx or Latin Latinx. It? Thank you. Latinx. Thank you, Joe. Just keep calling us Latinx. There's got to be some Republicans doing that. Only one percent, by the way, of independence on that particular poll. So it comes to the point of you might ask, OK, that's not how they describe themselves. But do they really care? Is this something that really affects them? Um, does it bother them? Does it offend them if you call them Latinx or Latinx or Latinx. Does the use of the term Latinx describe the Hispanic or Latino community? Does that bother you or does that offend you? 
If it does, yes, a lot, a somewhat, or just a little. Well, 40% of Hispanic voters said the term Latinx bothers or offends them. 20% of them said a lot, 11% said somewhat, 9% said a little, and then um, uh, 57% said it does not bother them. But that's, that's not a good number. The word that you're saying, you're trying to call them 40%, a full 40% of your own voters are saying, ah, please don't call us that. It actually bothers us. Um, if a politician or political organization use the, ter- the term Latinx or Latinx when discussing the Hispanic or Latina community, are you more likely or less likely to support them or their position? Well, 49% said there's no real difference. But look at the people where it did make a difference. 30% said they were less likely to support and only 15% said they were more likely to support. A two-to-one margin. What are these people doing? What are the politicians doing? What is the media doing? Now, I'm kind of glad they're doing it. I'm kind of glad they're pointing this out, and I'm kind of glad that uh, the average Hispanic person is sitting back and saying, this is annoying. Stop doing that. Latinx. Stop saying Latinx. I think it's one of those things that's good because it helps people maybe see things in a a different perspective. Sometimes we all need that moment to kind of wake us up and see things a little bit differently. Um, This is also broken down by Democrats, Republicans and independents. And you might say, again, you think Democrats, well, they're going to be more favorable and they are more favorable, but not by much. In fact, they still are less likely to support a candidate, 24 percent to 20 percent. Um, Where Republicans, it's 43 to six and independents, it's 30 to 14 how does this work? Isn't this just insanity? Why are they doing this? Um, Representative Ruben Gallego, he's an Arizona Democrat, he tweeted in reaction to this poll, uh, and he said that he forbids his staff from using Latinx or Latinx uh, in official communications. When Latino politicos use the term, it is largely to appease white rich progressives who think that this is the term we use. It is a vicious cycle of confirmation bias, and it's so true and it's so utterly insulting to minority groups when 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 big political organizations do this we've seen this happen over and over again the washington redskins hey native americans you're supposed to be offended by it i don't care if you actually are you're supposed to be you are now offended by it we're going to badger this organization uh and we're going to make that that name go away and now we've got the washington football team you know who who loved and Jemima pancakes more than anyone else on the entire market who had more positive ratings when they did consumer research than any other ethnic group. You know who freaking loved Aunt Jemima? African-Americans. Overwhelmingly, it was the most popular sector of the market with Aunt Jemima pancakes. And we said, you know what? I'm sorry, African-Americans. You are not supposed to like those pancakes. I don't know. You got to like something else. You should be offended by that. And we will teach you that you should be offended by it. That's what's offensive here. And the same thing is happening here with Latinx. Latinx. Sorry, Latinx. You're not supposed to be a Hispanic voter. You are a Latinx voter. We will explain to you what you are. This is insulting. It's paternalistic. And it's wrong. It's frankly wrong. And I hope it costs Democrats in a big way. Um, And, you know, look, if you don't want to lose these voters, if you don't want to see them moving in massive numbers to the other side of the aisle, if you don't want to be seen as racist, then don't white-splain what team names they should like. Don't white-splain what foods they should like. And don't white-splain what they should be calling themselves. Latinx. Which, of course, is, uh, Joe, one more time, take us out. Latinx. 
When you're running a business, HR issues can just kill you. Uh, wrongful termination suits, minimum wage requirements, labor regulations, and HR manager salaries, are, they're not cheap. They cost, you know, average of like 70 grand a year. Uh, Bambi can solve this for you, B-A-M-B-E-E. They were created specifically for small business. Your dedicated HR manager is available by phone, email, or real-time chat. They can do everything for you, onboarding, terminations, uh, they can customize policies to fit your business. They can help you manage your employees day to day, all for $99 a month. I don't know how they do this, but I can tell you one of the great things about it is you're not calling some call center and then trying to re-explain your issue over and over again. You have someone assigned to you. So that person you talk to, every time you talk to them, they're familiar with what your company does and how you want things done. Month to month, no hidden fees. You can cancel anytime. I doubt you will, though. Bambi.com slash stew. You can go there right now and schedule your free HR audit. Bambi.com dot com slash stew b-a-m-b-e-e dot com slash stew and don't forget the slash stew part of the address because that's how they know you like this stupid show bambi.com slash stew really excited to welcome anthony cumia to the studio he's the host of the anthony cumia show former host of the opium anthony show as well author of permanently suspended the rise and fall and rise again of radio's most notorious shock jock which you can pick up wherever you get your books anthony how's it going Great. Thank you for having me, Stu. I gotta say, this is weird for me. Is it? The amount of thousands of hours I've spent listening to you and Opie and Lil Jimmy. And Jimmy, of course, and some of the great comics that have been on the show over the course of the years. Legends. uh, Yeah, yeah. It really was this kind of institution, especially in the uh, comedy industry. Uh, Comics would just come on. They weren't expected to, you know, do your act for 10 minutes, plug the gig, and then leave. Like, they would just be in there destroying each other. <laughs> and it's hilariously funny. Like, yeah. comics are, they're not the most stable people. No. They're, they're, lack of confidence is legendary. Mm-hmm. So anytime you could crap on somebody else in the room and get the, the stink off of you, you're going to do it. So when you have a room of those uh, people, it gets vicious and hilariously funny. You just don't want to be the guy in that barrel. <laughs> oh, oh, it was brutal at yeah, times. Yeah, but like yeah. that was so great about it. Yep. You, know, you, you felt like, and you guys described it like this a bunch of times where, you know, it's like you're behind this, you know, you're in the green room of a comedy club and all the comics yeah. are hanging out, just, just going for it. It really felt like that. I mean, and it, you know, I know mm-hmm. you still do it today and it still does feel that way. Yeah, uh, yeah. That was a really a, a magical thing to kind of capture. Yeah, I, I think um, a, lo- a lot of people, especially in broadcasting back then, didn't really let comics just run loose. Yeah. You know, they had to have this unbelievable control of their program. And um, a lot of broadcasters feel compelled to be the funniest guy in the room a lot mm-hmm. of times and stuff. And uh, Jimmy Norton actually helped us out with that and gave us the ability to just say, no, let's, you know, let these guys roll, see what happens. And uh, like, like I said, it just made for some legendary breaks that now they still pop up. People like send me a link to something. And I'll think like, oh my God, I totally forgot about that. And uh, yeah, funny stuff. Uh, fond memories, uh, yeah. along with some of the more unfond <laughs> memories. There's a few unfond ones. A few unfond memories, but for the most part, it's funny. I mean, colored glasses. Yeah, I, 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 you know, of course, there's a bunch of famous uh, stories, of course. Um, one of them was one of the times you guys got fired yeah. uh, for the what was called the sex for Sam uh, situation. Yeah, now, yeah. I, it's funny because I remember seriously sitting in my car and I could not turn it off for like an hour. In that dumb oh, yeah. story of every radio person who says, oh, well, I sat in my car and I listened. Yeah, I couldn't yeah. leave. The year before you guys got fired, 
And I, I remember <laughs> listening to it, and I'm like, I can't believe, is this really happening, trying yeah. to figure it out? And I'll never forget, you guys at the end of this thing, bring on the, the guy from Sam Adams in the commercials, and he's doing like this, like, yes, well, we're happy to sponsor this event. Yeah. And it was bizarre. They sponsored the event. It was We had done it for years, and basically it was couples would sign up to have sex yeah. at various New York City landmarks, <laughs> Empire State Building, Radio City, oh. things like that. Oh. And based on how risque it was, they'd get extra points yes. and things like that. Mm -hmm. So um, we were doing that and we, we screwed up. Someone put church on the list and one of the comics called up and said, hey, we're here at St. Patrick's Cathedral, the yeah. biggest church. <laughs> no, yeah, no. And, you know, it, it got out and the news picked it up and uh, ran with it. And we just knew, yeah, you know, yeah. we looked at each other. And, you know, it's funny because we've had that dump button in front of us for years. Yeah. You say something, you could dump out of it. Mm -hmm. It's kind of um, a net for the shock jock, especially yeah. back then. And just um, we both looked at it and we're like, no, this is kind of good. Yeah, like it's kind it of, you know, it's yeah. shock jock. Yeah, that's what you're looking to do. Shock people. Mm -hmm. Well, that was shocking. And it wasn't <laughs> shocking when we got fired. <laughs> it's, it's funny because you look back at your career and, you, you know, you had a, a few of these incidents oh, over yeah, the yeah, years. Yeah. But like I, you know, as a as a listener and a fan for a long time, just your regular shows would get you thrown off the air now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I've talked about that. Like uh, the FCC was your big foil back yeah. in those days, especially before satellite radio. They had, you know, the seven dirty words and you'd be in meetings with mm -hmm. uh, lawyers and they tell you about bodily functions you couldn't talk about. And, it, you know, like you saw, saw in private parts. Yeah. And you're sitting there going, OK. And that was what you had to work your way around. The minefield that is out there now for broadcasters, you don't even see it. Like you'll say something or do something or have a story and you will leave thinking, oh, we want to think twice about it and the next day. Your name is in the paper. This one's mad at you. You get and you're gone. Yeah. And there's no ifs, ands, or buts anymore. It's not like oh, we'll let you, we'll just um, we'll go to court with this one. Uh, we'll litigate it with the FCC for a while. They'll drop it. We'll pay a little thing. They had a formula for it when we were working for uh, CBS Radio. Now. You don't know. You've blown up before you even you know, know uh, what hit you. Yeah, even if you don't cross some actual yeah, line, yeah. it's just, it's just you know, all FCC the cancellations. FCC was vague. Yeah. Like, those rules yeah. were vague enough to work <laughs> that around. Fun. That was fun. Now, yeah. it's so arbitrary and vague yeah. that you can't even defend against it. And yeah. a lot of guys I know, especially ones that came from that whole shock jock thing, uh, learned a, a hard lesson. Because mm. once you're gone, you're gone, too. Yeah. It's not your agent going to get you another gig somewhere. You have that that scarlet letter on you, and um, I don't know, you well, gotta have a studio in your basement. Yeah. <laughs> I wanna get to that in a second, because this is an yeah, interesting, yeah. You, were, you were one of the, the trailblazers, really, of this. But, uh, yeah. so go back to the beginning, though, because you didn't come from, uh, you didn't come from, you know, out of a comedy club, right? You didn't, no, no. You, you didn't I, come from radio. I was in construction. Yeah. Yeah. I was installing <laughs> air conditioning and heating yeah. uh, ductwork, and uh, always uh, smart ass, having fun. Job sites are, some of the funniest people I've ever met <laughs> yeah, are yeah. electricians and steam fitters and yeah. whatnot because um, they don't care. They'll say anything. <laughs> and it's usually very funny. So I came from that. But I had been in bands my whole life with my brother. And we I used to write a lot of song parodies mm -hmm. and we'd send them to various uh, various radio stations and they'd play them. And uh, Opie was doing radio on Long Island, and uh, I had a song about uh, the O.J. Simpson debacle. <laughs> people might remember that one. Uh, and it got very popular. People liked it. So Opie invited us in to perform live. And I started, like, I figured, here's my foot in the yeah, door. So yeah. I'm just doing him impressions and talking on the news and everything. And he invited me back a couple of more times. And he was recording it. 
and sending it to various radio stations. And we got a call from Boston um, and they offered us a gig. Mm -hmm. And I literally threw my tin knocking tools, my sheet metal worker tools out the window on 95 <laughs> on the way from New York to, uh, to Boston. I was like, that's awesome. Thinking like it's such a liberating moment. And all I'm thinking is I'm probably going to have to buy those back <laughs> when I fail miserably. But, you know, it's been uh, it's been good. Yeah. It's interesting <laughs> because, you know, you, you said you, know, you have those shock jock moments where you mm -hmm. go close to the line and maybe cross it. Right. Once right. you do it, you don't have another chance. But you guys did have more chances over and over and over again. Boston yeah, ended yeah. In, a, in a pretty dramatic way. Yeah, there was um, back then. I, I always said there was when you screwed up, you screwed up. Yeah, in yeah. radio. Mm. Uh, there's plenty of stories of jocks that had been reprimanded and got a wrist slap and then got higher ratings, got better gigs, yeah. got more money. Um, after we got fired in Boston for saying that Mayor Menino was dead, <laughs> which it was an April Fool's joke. Yeah. I was so new to the game and Opie had been in radio for many years, so I would always take his lead. And he goes, uh, yeah, what do you think? It's April Fool's. What if we, what if we do this, the mayor's dead thing? And I'm Thinking like, yeah, okay. And all I'm thinking in my head really is like, I don't know. <laughs> I, threw my, I threw my tools away. <laughs> but I think I could still find them. But, oh. And uh, yeah, they, they were the stories where his family had heard and thought it was true and they were traumatized. And then Mayor Menino got back. And if you remember Boston's Mayor Menino, he had a hard time articulating things. Mm. Mm -hmm. It was very, um, yeah, great voice. <laughs> uh, and he wanted us fired. And he mm -hmm. went to the um, company and they they fired us. But we instantly got a job in back in New York City, the number one radio market Incredible. at WNEW, the number one rock station. So, uh, again, it worked. Yeah. It worked well. We screwed up. Yeah, you did. Yeah. Uh, and eventually you get to Sirius XM. Yeah, yeah, yeah. After we were fired for, for the, the Sex for Sex Sam for thing. thing. <laughs> yeah. They sat us out for two years. They paid us did one of really? our most lucrative contracts we ever signed. They sat us on and paid us for two years. Wow. So I was just going to Atlantis and gambling yeah. and having fun. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we, uh, we got an offer from XM Radio because it was XM and Sirius. They were two different companies at All the right. time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, even then, you're like, oh, great. We, can, we don't have to worry about the FCC anymore. Yeah. And there's always something to worry about. Yeah. Whether it's management having a personal vendetta or you're making jokes about things that they take personally or uh, you're never totally free to speak your mind. It's, it's amazing these days. Even having the ability to do my own thing in my own studio, my own company, you realize like there's links in the chain that can cut you off. Yeah. Like, people oh, are learning yeah. that now, I think, more than ever. I mean, like, Build yeah. your own internet. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm, like, oh, really? Yeah. I'll string some fiber optic <laughs> yeah. cable. I'll launch some satellites. Well, that is where we're getting, though. I mean, yeah, you, know, yeah. uh, you know, years ago, Glenn started, uh, you know, the Blaze here. Mm -hmm. And it was he was one of the first people. You were, though, too, really one of the trailblazers of going out on your own. This sort of substack thing that's happened with journalists yeah. and, and podcasters <clears> and all that. You were really early on. You started Compound Media. Yep. Um, and it's been really successful. And you get to do it on your own terms. I mean, yeah. is, is, is it freeing or do you still feel freaked out? It's very freeing. Yeah. But like I said, there's always, always some thing lurking <laughs> yeah. in the corners that can, can screw you up. You have uh, server companies, internet companies, um, you know, that can absolutely say, look, we're not financing it. We're not letting you bank through us. We're not letting you uh, use our servers. So uh, there's a constant threat there that you're going to have your plug pulled. And it's for, you know, again, context. They don't believe in context of comedy and radio yeah. and entertainment. You know, everything you say is gospel. 
uh, to these people, and you know they'll cancel you uh, very quickly. We've learned that. Yeah. It, 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 what do you do about it? I, I mean, I, uh, yeah. how do I you think solve you, this world problem for me. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you honestly just have to do what you do. Um, for how outrageous O and A was and the shock jock stuff and everything, I'm not very outrageous on my own show for the sake of just being crazy. Right. Uh, I discuss topics that people are uncomfortable with, yes. race, religion, <laughs> yeah. uh, sex, uh, gender, all these things that can, uh, they're, like I said, the minefield that you walk through. Uh, but we're just talking. We're talking about it. And people literally, they think talking about it is violence uh, against people. You, if you don't share in, in an ideology and you voice your opinion about it, that's all there is. I, I think the... Uh, there should just be a debate about it. You rebut it. If you don't agree with what I'm saying about something, let's have a debate about it. But no, they want you gone. They want you unable to talk about it. Yeah. Uh, and that's the scariest part. And it, for how bad it, it has gotten, it, it just seems to get worse all the time. Like I, I, I'm waiting for that light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, I don't know where it is. I keep thinking like, you know, there's, gonna, there's something in crypto or something where right. like it's just off the map completely. And maybe, yes. I don't know. I don't know how that happens. I don't either. Um, tell me, uh, uh, what's, what's the, crypt, uh, the, uh, the COVID era like for Anthony? How did, this, how, did you, how did you deal with it? I mean, you have a compound, so that's a good start. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, New York City has been terrible. That's yeah. where my studio is. Um, so I was broadcasting from my house for a while because mm -hmm. I did have that studio that I had built uh, in my house. Um, and then in July of like two years ago, whatever, how long this yeah. has been going on, <laughs> yeah. it's bizarre. Uh, I just said, screw it. I'm going back into my studio and we'll do the show uh, from in there. So it really didn't affect me too much. I, I don't like wearing a mask um, <laughs> on planes. You have to. Yeah. Uh, I think they're going to they're going to make travel. I think they're going to uh, probably do the vaccine thing where you have mm. to be vaccinated for domestic travel, and that will open it's up a can of worms. But I've, I've way overestimated America and its uh, fighting attitude and, and yearning of freedom and independence, because I swore, when this first started, I was like, I give this a month, yeah. and there'll just be a rebellion on their hands. And it's just, no, eh. I'll put my mask on, I'll get my facts on. It's like, oh, come on, people. Yeah. Up into that independent spirit. I remember watching the footage from Italy when mm -hmm. this was first kicking in. Right. They're like shutting down cities. I'm like, this is insane. Can oh, you imagine could you imagine that imagine? here? The people uh, would go nuts and they were kind of okay with I it. I know. I've had so many can you imagine moments and uh, over the course of my life. And, uh, you know, the idea of, of armed soldiers at an airport or a train station yeah, yeah. was bizarre. It was something you saw on Tel Aviv and stuff on yeah. the news. Um, and then there, there they are after 9-11. Yeah. And you're like, wow, I never imagined. And, and it's just piled up more and more. I see people with masks on. I just, I was in an Uber today and we had like three other guys. So two in the back seat and one of our guys yeah. had to be in the front seat. The yeah. driver goes, no, um, you got to wear a mask if you're sitting up front. He didn't have a partition or anything. Like, I'm literally sitting behind him. <laughs> that side. And I yeah. was fine without a mask. Right. The guy next to him needed a mask. The, the vagueness yeah. and arbitrary rules for your safety are so screwy. And, and none of them really make any sense. Right, right. I've learned how to uh, ride the Long Island Railroad, though, and not have to wear a mask. Okay. I have a, uh, an inhaler. Mm -hmm. I don't even use one. It's not, <laughs> I have one. I keep it in my pocket. And when a conductor goes, could you put a, a mask on? I go, mm. 
And they don't even want to get into an argument right, about it. Right, yeah. They're like, all right, whatever it is. And they leave me alone. You know? That is it's brilliant. A, yeah, yeah. It's such an easy little prop to carry with you. And you're just like, yeah, because they don't want to. I put a mask on and then, you know. Right. Maybe, they get blamed. Yeah, right? yeah. They, the whole railroad gets sued. You actually are solving America's problems here. This is amazing. This is, yeah, this is how you, you do gotta it. you got to roll with it a little bit. So uh, last one. How does this end? Like, is it just oh. that people say, screw off, we're going to do what we want to do? I mean, do we have to keep begging the government to understand our plight? Yeah, I, I think uh, we've seen some instances where it's worked in a, a microcosm. Yeah. Um, there's been plenty of companies that said, uh, well, if you're not vaccinated, you're not working here. We're going to fire anyone that isn't vaccinated. Mm -hmm. I think Ford uh, said that a while back. And half the company said, all right. <laughs> yeah. And then Ford had to go, all right, maybe <laughs> right, yeah. we were a little rash. Yeah. So I think if people do speak up, have a little courage and, and a little faith in in your other people alone, you know, you're just fired. Half the company, yeah. no cars are coming out the other end of the factory yeah. if half the company gets fired. So they're never going to do that. I think people, the most important thing with America and Americans in this time is realizing how much power the, the people en masse actually do have, yeah. Yeah. Uh, regardless of what they tell you on, on the news and, and in Washington. And most importantly, always carry an inhaler. There you go. That's just, how it goes. Just go. <sighs> Just make that face. You got little parakeet lungs. Yeah. Help me out here. <laughs> Anthony Cumia, host of The Anthony Cumia Show. Be sure to pick up a copy of his book, of course, Permanently Suspended, The Rise and Fall and Rise Again of Radio's Most Notorious Shock Jock. And make sure you subscribe as well uh, to watch his show and a bunch of others as well. Uh, Anthony, this is awesome, man. Thank Great you, to meet you, And uh, awesome, thanks for joining man. us. This holiday season, uh, you can just be gigantic and fat and eat all the time, and that's going to be okay. At some point, you're probably going to want to turn that around, though. Uh, you want to try Built Bars. Built Bars are they're good. They actually taste like candy bars. You can have a snack. You can replace a meal. And they're covered with real chocolate and great flavors as well. Uh, low in calories, low in sugar, high in protein, all the things you want. Uh, they're delicious and healthy, and they've got the double chocolate, the peanut butter brownie. They've got a million flavors. Check them out. Built Bars, they're healthy and delicious. Go to Built.com. If you use the promo code STU15, you'll get 15% off your order. Don't miss out on this. Promo code is STU15 for 15% off at Built.com. We are just over one day away from the third, I think it's the third one we've done, Stu Does America Christmas Party Power Hour. Um, look, this is going to be, I have organs that, that do not need this out of their lives right now. But uh, we do this for you. And why do we do it for you? Not because we want to drink at work. Definitely not that. Um, it's actually, one of, oddly, and I don't know what this says about you, uh, but one of our most popular shows is when we do the dumb power hour thing. And it's this old, like, I don't know, college drinking game, I guess, where you do one shot of beer per minute for an hour. And I will say it starts off somewhat sane. And by the end, it usually turns into a complete disaster. But... To help us navigate that disaster, we have Sarah Gonzalez from the News and Why It Matters. My wife, Lisa Page, will be here. That should make this interesting. It's the first one she's attended. Um, hopefully, first one she's watched. Uh, also, uh, Bill Richmond, uh, half-Asian lawyer Bill Richmond from the Stephen Crowder program. You got uh, Chad Prather. You got uh, Jason Buttrell. It's going to be a great uh, group of people um, just making idiots of themselves for your entertainment in a great way to kick off the holiday season. Um, you know, if you can't think of... 
ridiculous work Christmas parties have all sorts of terrible history. We're going to see. We're going to hope we can keep it just on the right side of that line uh, for you. It's going to be at StuDoesPowerHour.com. StuDoesPowerHour.com. If you RSVP before the event, you're going to be uh, uh, available to uh, get some uh, prizes that we're going to be giving out. So we do hope that you do that. StuDoesPowerHour.com. We have a new announcement from the Navy. They have test fired a brand new weapon, and this looks pretty freaking cool, okay? Here's a picture of it. It is a ship firing a laser at something floating in the water, and apparently, you know, I think it did something to that uh, target. They said they successfully engaged the target, whatever that means, lit it on fire, sunk it to the ground, made it explode into a zillion pieces. Uh, I, you know, maybe just made it a really great dance party. I don't know what they did with it, but the laser was actually successful here. And it makes you think about this for a second, because if they're showing us pictures of a boat blowing up a target with a laser, what do they have now? Like, they're not telling us this isn't like the first day. Hey, guys, we did it. The first time we've ever successfully blown something up with a laser. Let's show it to everyone in the world. Like, that doesn't seem like a rational thing for a military to do. Although I will say, neither did Afghanistan. So maybe this is the first time we figured it out. Maybe we're just like, you know what? Let's tell North Korea all about it. Uh, I don't know. But I will say that it is uh, it's a pretty cool thing. And, you know. I don't have much faith in the military under Joe Biden, uh, but one of the things we do need to do is continue to have the best weaponry and the best uh, the best resources for uh, the people fighting in the military. And we're seeing now places like Russia come out and say, hey, we've got hypersonic missiles. Do they? I don't know. They may very well. It may be bluster. Um, we see that China has uh, is, is, is bragging about all their cyber war um, capabilities. We better stay on top of this stuff because once you're not in first place anymore, uh, bad things start happening. And you kind of see what happens with Afghanistan. You see some of this in Syria. You've seen it around the world recently. And look, I, you know, nobody wants to be the world's policeman. Nobody wants to be in a million different wars at once. But what I do want is the best, coolest stuff that explodes. That we need. That's our mili- that's our slogan. I don't know what their slogan. Be prepared or whatever their slogan is now should just be. We need the bi- the best, coolest stuff to make things explode. That's that needs to be our slogan. We need to continue to innovate because if we don't have that, we don't have anything. Back in a second. If you are one of the people around the country who've been living in a blue state and said, you know what's interesting about this uh, life is it sucks. You might be moving to a red state, maybe moving to a place like uh, Nashville or Florida or Texas. And when you move there, you're, you want to find the best possible deal. The problem, of course, right now is that everybody's moving here. I mean, everybody's moving to red states right now. And it's, you know, the markets are going crazy. What do you do about that? Well, you better find the right house for the right amount of money. And you need a great real estate agent that can help you bring that to uh, the uh, finish line. Uh, go to realestateagentsitrust.com, realestateagentsitrust.com. There you will find someone who is the best and most qualified real estate agent in your area. No matter where you're going, no matter where you've been, realestateagentsitrust.com is the place to go. Get more information at realestateagentsitrust.com. Joe Biden has an important message for America. He wants Aaron Rodgers to get vaccinated. Uh, He uh, apparently uh, was talking to a 
um, a Green Bay, uh, a, woman, a woman in a Green Bay cap and shirt and said, tell that quarterback he's got to get the vaccine. Which is an interesting thing to focus on. It's so bizarre. First of all, he already the reason, you know, he didn't have the vaccine is because he already had COVID. So he's going to have some immunity. I mean, and he just had it, too. So I don't, this is the, the person you need to focus on least in America, basically. Secondarily, um, so like, why is this your focus? Um, reports uh, say that he I guess he was on the Pat McAfee show. He said he's allergic to the, the mRNA versions of the shots. He said he doesn't want the Johnson and Johnson shot because it has side effects. And uh, here's what is interesting about that. Um, nothing, because I'm not Aaron Rodgers doctor. So I don't really care if he gets it or not. If he wants to get it, he can get it. If he doesn't want to get it, he shouldn't get it. And that's that's the easy way to handle this. Joe Biden is, um, I mean, the guy is, we talk about senility now. Uh, he's, he's a bit senile, as they say. Uh, and he is uh, expressing that quite clearly, as he said in the GOP, to the GOP uh, in the midterms, he's going to win. We're going to win. He claims he thinks he's actually going to win. Now, no it's hard to win even when you're doing well when you're a sitting president. Uh, the, the other party typically picks up seats, makes some gains. Uh, so it's hard to do. Start this particular uh, midterm with uh, the lowest level of control, 50-50 Senate, I think a four-seat advantage in the House. So you have almost no margin of error. You're probably going to lose anyway. And then add on to the fact that he's doing a terrible job uh, and is, you know, is flamed out entirely in his first year they have almost no chance to win. Now, Brett Stevens wrote a column for the uh, New York Times. He says it would be a good idea. Would it be a good idea for Joe Biden to run for re-election in 2024? And if he runs again and wins, would it be a good idea for the United States to have a president who is 86? That's how old he would be at the end of the second term. And like we've dealt with questions like this about presidents that are, quote unquote, too old. Um, Bob Dole famously he just passed away uh, and he was criticized and joked about all the time. He's too old, too old to be president. Let this sink in. Joe Biden is older than Bob Dole was when he got elected. He'll be much older in the second term. Bob Dole was also younger than Donald Trump is right now. He is younger than Mitch McConnell. He is younger or was younger than Nancy Pelosi. Almost everybody leading the country is way older than Bob Dole was in 1996. And that was like the biggest joke in the world. We're going the wrong direction here, folks. I hope you're enjoying the Christmas season a little bit. It's been kind of a weird couple of years. I hope you're actually having a good time. I know I am. I, I'm, I love Christmas. Now, my kids are in primetime Christmas years, which is awesome. My daughter's about to be nine. My son is 10. So I'm loving this uh, stuff right now. In fact, they had a little festival at their school, and they have a little market where they're able to buy presents for their, um, kid, uh, for their parents. And I got this one for my daughter. It's a little, it's hard to see. It's a little keychain. It says, uh, world's greatest dad. In the middle, it has this really shiny blue thing, and it spins around really cool like this. Um, I'm pretty sure it's made out of diamonds. You know, I mean, it's awesome. Um, and uh, I will tell you, it's, it's an awesome present. I also got this one for my son. He bought this. He said it was the most, the most uh, expensive thing at the market. Bought it with his own money. Uh, it says the greatest hit of all down here, and it says MVP dad. And you might think to yourself, well, how do I get myself one of those? The answer, of course, is you can't because my kids are better than your kids. That's how this works, okay? My kids are awesome. Your kids might be great. They might be um, the number two best kids in the world, but mine are awesome enough to give me this cool stuff and, uh, and give me a great Christmas. So uh, I feel bad for you, but here's the thing. I feel good 
for me. And that's important.